0: Amen. Smile again at somebody and say, I'm glad you made it tonight. Amen. We're going to be in the book of Ephesians chapter 6 tonight. Ephesians chapter 6. What a blessing it is to be able to live for the Lord in this day and hour. Amen. amen. We've been studying a little bit on the armor of the Lord. How many of you have learned some things on the armor of the Lord that you didn't know before? Would you say Amen. There's a lot of things in it that people have never went that deep in to talk about. Uh, And it's challenging when so many people have ministered on this particular scripture to be able to find something that no one else has really mentioned about. For many years, I'd sit and listen to people as they minister to it, and I would wonder to myself, why is it that it don't go that deep? Why why would they break this out? Because it's really important for the church. To know that and to know what the Lord wants us to do. So to give you a quick little review, we have found out that we are strong already in the Lord. Would you say amen? God has already made us strong. He's counted us worthy. He's counted us to be one that would be faithful. And he's put us in the ministry. And it is through the strength that he has given us through the power of the Holy Spirit that will allow us to be strong. And the move forward. Also, we have talked about the armor of the Lord and we've combined other scriptures because sadly, many people think that in Ephesians chapter number six is the only place that Paul talked about the armor of God, but he talked about the armor of God in many different locations in the scripture. And uh, one thing we missed, and people you probably never heard many speak about, was the soldier's backpack and how it's so important that the soldier's backpack. To uh, put that on and and to have your only daily supply. That was something that she packed up for your daily supply that lasted you for three days. So it was so important because every three days they would restock their daily supply. That's why it's important for us to be in church on Sunday and on Wednesday because we need a new new supply every three days with the power of the Lord. Can you say amen? Amen. And we studied a little bit uh, about the loin of truth and what truth was. the belt, the loin belt of truth. And we found out the last time we talked that that tr- word truth literally means to teach ourselves to always unforget. Because we have a tendency to forget a lot of stuff. You know, you have people that tell you all the time, uh, it's hard to forgive and it's hard to forget. But I want to share with you, it is our nature to forget. It is our nature to forget. So to forget's not really that hard, It's in our nature, and what is not in our nature, in man's nature, is to keep us from forgetting. It is the Spirit of God, the truth of the Word of God, the truth which is God in himself. Jesus said that he was this way, the truth, and the life. God said that he was truth, and he went on to say his Word was truth. That truth allows us to train our mind to where we don't forget what God has done for us. Can you say amen? And tonight we want to pick up just a little bit more. Study this just a little bit more. We've come to the breastplate of righteousness tonight. Sadly, on many occasions, especially in Sunday school, I would ask people over the years, what is the breastplate of righteousness? And so many people had certain ideas, but it never really was what the actual breastplate of righteousness was. So tonight we want to look at that just a little bit. The Bible says in verse 10, it says, Finally, my brother." Be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God. Tell your neighbor tonight, say, God ain't going to put it on for you. So you got to put it on yourself. Put on the whole armor of God. You can't just put on one piece. you got to put on everything. Amen? I'm ready for some Christians that are dressed from the top of their head to their sole of their feet in the spiritual and ready to go on and win the battle. Amen? Put on the whole armor of God. Why? So that you'll be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. So that you'll have the power. So that you'll be willing to fight is what that means. That you'll be willing to fight and take your stand against the trickeries, the methods of the devil. And he goes on to say, The reason why you need the armor of God is because we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but we wrestle against principalities and against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickednesses in high places. And as you wrestle, that I, I want you to notice now, we studied a little bit and showed you how the sword and this formation that we had with the armor and how things went. We showed you how they would come up and, and make a wall, shield wall that the uh, fiery darts of the enemy would not penetrate them at all. But notice what he's saying here. He's saying that we wrestle against these spiritual entities. And you got to be close to someone to wrestle with them. you got to be able to grab a hold of them. you got to be in close conflict with them. So it's the shield of faith, we're going to study a little later on, that quenches every fiery dart of the wicked while they're shooting fiery darts to you. And it will protect you while you are advancing to the enemy. But once you get into the enemy's uh, territory, you're in a hand-to-hand combat. So in a spiritual concept of that, we are in a hand-to-hand combat with the devil. The devil is fighting us on a daily basis. The principalities, they're right beside of us. They do not want you to progress. And God wants us to move forward. So he says, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but we wrestle against the principalities and the powers and against the rulers of darkness of this world, and against spiritual wickednesses in high places. Then he said, Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God. Taking the whole armor unto God unto you, and putting on the armor of God is completely different. Putting on the armor of God means you plunge 100% into what God has provided for you. But taking the armor of God means you accept the responsibility that that armor brings in your life. So when you take the armor of God on, you're saying, I am going to be God's soldier in this hour. I am going to fight this battle. I'm going to wrestle against the enemy. And I'm going to win this battle in the name of Jesus Christ. Does that help anyone tonight? Amen? He says, so wherefore, for this reason, take unto you the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and he says you got to be able, or you got to be willing to fight. That's what that means. There, you got to be willing to fight against the world. It is not easy to fight against the culture that's going on out there today. Because when you fight against it, you are going to offend somebody, and everybody wants to be loved, don't they? Amen. Everybody wants to be liked, Amen. But I tell you, when you take on the responsibility of the armor of God and you go forth, you're going to offend someone because truth is offensive. Truth is offensive. Truth will make you feel bad before you start making it makes you feel better, Amen. So he says, "Take unto you the full armor of God, so that you can stand in the evil day." And having done all that you can do, stand. So there is a period in time you stand against the devil, you stand against the world, and now there a, comes a time in the battle that you've done everything you can possibly do and you have to stand still and let the Lord come and fight the battle for you. Amen. I shared with everyone that I feel that that's where Living Water Worship Center is right now. We're at an hour in our life that we have got to learn how to stand still. Amen. Then he said, Stand still, therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, we talked about that, and having on the breastplate of righteousness, and your feet shod, or shoe, with the preparation of the gospel of peace, and above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith you may be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked, and take the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. I want to number one give you some ideas here tonight. The word having on, where he's talking about having on the breastplate of righteousness. is the very same word as in verse 11 of put on. It is the word endio. It's a little different though, just a little bit different with it. It's written in a different tense. In verse 11, it is an imperative tense. That's a command. There is a command for you to put on the whole armor of God. Everyone say with me, say, I am commanded to put on the whole armor of God. But when you come down to verse number 13, or verse number 11, let me show before we go any further. Verse number 11 deals with the action that's not yet done. He's telling us in a command, you are to put it on. It's not done yet. God is not going to put the armor on for you. You're going to have to learn how to put the armor on yourself. But in verse 13, it starts dealing with the action that is already done. But it emphasizes the wearing of the breastplate of righteousness. Not just putting it on, wearing it. Everybody hold on and say, wearing it. So it's not just putting it on. You've got to wear it. You've got to be able to use it. You've got to be able to hold up under it and be strong enough to hold that weight. You've got to be able to wear it. So before we get into that tonight and study a little bit, I want to share with you, the Roman army over the years, so through many centuries, they were always known for strength. They were always known for its order. And it was always known for its discipline. I wish that the army of Jesus Christ was known for its strength. And I wish that it was known for its order. And I wished that it was known for its discipline. Because it was because of that strength, it was because of that order, it was because of the discipline that for centuries they were an army that were, seemed to be impenetrable and they were invincible. It seemed like every time they went to go fight a battle, they come out victorious. This army, Roman army, they had went out and conquered kingdoms, they had went in and crushed revolutions when people tried to rebel against them, and they controlled their territory that they were in charge of with iron fists. And that is what God is looking for His army to start doing today. And that is in the order and the discipline and the way that we are to live, that we are to go in and win the battle through and stand with the victory Jesus has already won. But we are to rule our territory and rule it in victory because we are more than a conqueror. Would the church say amen? Now, the Roman military, their personal equipment that they had, itself there with it bore the hallmark of order because it was all put in on order and it bore the hallmark of discipline i shared with you that the armor weighed 150 pounds actually 152 pounds once you had it all together so you had to be strong to do uh, to, to carry that armor plus you had to be disciplined to, to still be able to move and fight under, under that weight you got to be able to do that so the standards and the patterns of this Roman army used to be called way back then the disciplina and literally that means the discipline and one thing that is lacking in the church today is discipline can the church say amen a lot of people can't discipline themselves enough they can come to church Many of us can't even discipline ourselves enough to read our Bible every day. Some of us can't discipline ourselves enough to pray every day. Some of us can't discipline ourselves enough to push the plate back. Some of us can't discipline ourselves enough to give up anything for the Lord. But see, if you're going to be in the army of the Lord, it's based upon discipline. It's based upon being a disciple, a follower of Jesus Christ. Now, the structure of the Roman forces and the uh, the, the forces, along with their uh, discipline maneuvering and all their formations, changed the history of warfare from one generation to the next generation. And even today, people are still mesmerized at how the Roman army was able to go out and conquer what they wanted to conquer. So I can picture in my mind, as Paul was looking at what the Roman armor was doing, Roman army was doing what they had done in his time and him being chained to a legionnaire in that there particular army. I could just picture himself thinking within his mind and the Holy Spirit ministering to him that God intends for his army to be exactly the same way. Amen. Now we looked at one formation last week, my video, where we showed you how they would take their shields and they would put it in front of them and they would march forward in the battle. But once they got to the enemy, they started hand-to-hand combat with the enemy and they began to wrestle with them at arm's length. And then at that point, that's why every piece of the armor was so important. If you were in that situation, you had the helmet knocked off of your head and... Then you could literally be killed instantly. That's why the helmet was took and it was fixed to your breastplate of righteousness. That's why the breastplate was hooked to your. The loin belt of truth. That's why the grease was hooked to that belt. Everything was hooked. So when you got hit with something, it didn't knock that piece off of you. It was even a stronger connection than what you see with football players as they literally uh, have that their helmet on. You can hit a football player hard enough that it will knock their helmet off of their head. But it was really hard really hard, for you to go up with anything and hit a Roman soldier and knock the helmet off his head. And it was extremely hard for you to hit a Roman soldier and knock the breastplate off of him. It was extremely hard for you to even get the shield out of his hand because his shield would hook to that loins belt of truth. So everything worked together so that the armor could literally protect the soldier. Are y'all getting a picture of that tonight? Would you say amen? But in Hand-to-hand combat. I asked the Lord, I said, Lord, I see now why God said we got to get started with the belt of truth. And now I'm beginning to see why it is He started talking about through the power of the Holy Ghost the breastplate of righteousness second. Because that is the most important piece of armor that you would have on when you're in a battle with someone in a wrestling hand-to-hand combat. So if you don't have the breastplate of righteousness, you're in trouble. I want you to look at your neighbor tonight and say, have you got the breastplate on? Mm -mm. So I'm going to help you out tonight, amen? Why? Because that breastplate protects every organ that there is in your body. Yeah, it protects your lungs, it protects your heart, it protects your liver, it protects your stomach, intestinal system, it protects everything that there is with it. In fact, the, the Roman uh, uh, soldiers called it their heart guard, it guarded their heart. So the breastplate of righteousness, when, as Paul is writing, is telling you this is what God has given you to protect your heart. How many of you here tonight need God to protect your heart? Amen. So what Paul is doing is he is detailing the Christ, to the Christian that while the metal plated around the armor of, or the breastplate of the armor of, of the of the. Of the of, of the soldier, it protected and guarded the heart of that Roman soldier. And in hand to hand combat, it would be hard to kill him the same way it would protect you if you have the breastplate of righteousness on. It is to protect you as you are engaged in a battle, one on one, hand to hand combat with the enemy that's surrounds you. God wants to protect your heart. How many of you know that the enemy is wanting to crush your heart? Did you say amen? Wants to destroy your spirit, amen. He wants to cause you to give up. He wants you to throw your hands up, amen. So God has given you something to protect your heart. God has given you something that's going to protect you and your spiritual heart I'm talking about and it's called the breastplate of righteousness. Now, while the the heart of flesh pumps blood through every system that there is in your body. Somebody asked me one time that when I was a a young child, and he said if if, uh, the church of God is a body and you're a member of it, what part do you want to be? And I sat there and I thought for a little while and I said, I want to be the heart. I want to be the heart because if the heart ain't bumping, ain't pumping, then the the hand ain't working. If the heart ain't pumping, the brain ain't working. If the heart ain't pumping, the feet ain't working. So if the heart is not right, then the, 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 the church itself is in bad shape. And I'm here to tell you today, I believe that the church's heart is not pumping like it's supposed to. That's why we got all the problems we got in the amen so just like that heart that pumps blood through your your vessel that spiritual heart that paul is talking to you about he's saying this spiritual heart pumps life to you in every bit of your spiritual body it keeps you alive and there is literally things that you have to do to protect your heart and any harm that comes to your heart will literally spell death to you because if you have a heart attack and chances are you're going to die amen If your heart quits pumping, what's going to happen? You're going to die. If your heart has a a, a bad rhythmic, I can't even talk tonight, a rhythmic beat inside of you, if you've got that situation where you have a heart murmur, when you exert yourself, what happens to you? You run to a risk of about dying. Amen. So protecting the heart was the most important thing than anything else in the armor. And you had to protect your heart. I want to get you to go to Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23. I want to show you what the Lord talks about with your heart. I just want to thank God tonight that God protects my heart. Amen. I want to thank God tonight that God has given me the resources, the power. He's given me the supplies to make sure that my heart is not going to quit beating on me. Amen. And I'm talking about my spiritual heart. He's making sure that my heart is being taken care of. In Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23, we have a command that's given unto us. And it says, keep the heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Out of your heart. It comes your course of life another translation look at it there one more time read it in the King James while I read it through another translation it says guard your heart above all else for it determines the course of your life you are where you are today because your heart puts you there You are where you're at today associated with the people that you're associated with because your heart puts you there. In in the King James, he says, Keep your heart with all diligence. For out of your heart, out of your heart comes the issues of life. That word keep there is an imperative command. Now remember, I told you that if you uh, literally obey the commands and the statutes of the Lord that you will be blessed in everything you do. Let the church say amen. But if you do not obey the command, When you don't, the Bible tells us in Deuteronomy 28 and 45 that the curses, every curse that he mentioned in that chapter is going to come on you and not only will it come on you, it will pursue you and not only will it pursue you, it will overtake you, it will tackle you, it will take you down and not only will it take you down, it will destroy you all because we did not keep the commands of the Lord. But God said with us in Proverbs chapter 26 verse number 2, he said a curse that is causeless cannot find the place to dwell in your life. So if you want to be free of all curses, then you've got to understand what the commands that God has given us and we've got to submit to the Holy Ghost and allow Jesus to keep them commands through us. Can you say amen? That word keep there means to observe and watch over and to protect and to look at and consider and examine and oversee your heart. You are always to be looking over your heart, making sure that your heart does not get out of the way that it should be in the kingdom of God. Now, I want you to look at that verse again because it says there keep your heart and in your margin of your Bible, I want you to write the word live, L-E-B. That is a part of your mind. That's what your heart is. There are actually your conscious mind that we are dealing with tonight. As we taught each other, you see me with your conscious mind. Then there is a subconscious mind where your, your eyelashes bat every few seconds and your heart breathes and your body breathes. That is being done subconsciously. You don't even know when it's happening. But the Bible says there's another mind that man has, and it is a live mind. And that is the mind that is a spiritual mind. That is the mind that has the power to create things just like God created things. If you want to create your world, then you can start thinking with that particular heart and as you do, you are starting to put chemicals and things together and you are bringing things together and things are put together in your life and you are creating your own life. So God wants us to get beyond thinking in our, our conscious mind to even get beyond thinking in our subconscious mind and go very deep in the very back of our solar plexus and tap into our spiritual mind and pray through our spiritual mind and to keep our spiritual mind pure and keep our spiritual mind in right standing with the lord amen he said and do that with all diligence let everybody say all diligence now that word there really shook me a little bit because that word diligence means to keep it in prison And really, when I looked at it, I had to study that out a little bit because what he was telling you is that he wanted you to keep it in a place of confinement, a place that was in your custody, that you didn't give your heart away. You didn't give your emotions away. You didn't give the live mind of God, the the, the, the mind of the Spirit. You didn't allow the devil to get a place in that mind because if the devil gets a place in that mind, he's going to create him a stronghold in there. Amen so I see now when he says you keep your heart with all diligence he's saying you keep it in confinement you keep it there just like a a person that is a convict is only let out every now and again you be real careful how you let your heart out you be real careful about who you give your heart to you be real careful about who you open your heart with boy I'm preaching a lot better than somebody's talking tonight I want you to know God is telling you you have the duty to keep your own heart someone say amen Flip over to chapter 13 of Proverbs. I want to share something else with you. In verse number 3, the Bible tells us there, He said, He that keeps his mouth keeps his life. He that keeps his mouth keeps his life. But he that opens wide his lips shall have destruction. Sometimes we talk too much, don't we? If you keep your mouth, The Bible says that you're literally, look at what he said there in verse number 13. He said, chapter 13, verse 3. He said, he that keeps his mouth will keep his life. If you don't let every thought that comes in your mind come out of your mouth, then you will keep your life in a good course. That's why it's very important for you to clean up the way you talk. It's very important for you to start talking positively. That's very important for you to refuse to say certain things. It's very important for you not to call yourself something that you are not. I want to share with you, it literally shook me in my, in my spirit. When I used to say I'd be Sam here I'd be John Brown, he used to say that all the time. And the spirit spoke to me one day and said, what's your name boy? I said, mama named me Kenneth Nance. She said, are you?" He said, are you John Brown? I said, no. He said, do you know how many John Browns there is in the world? And I said, oh my gracious. He said, and every time you say you're John Brown, you're calling all the curses and all of those things into your life. And every time you call yourself Sam Hill. You're calling all the Sam Hills in there. And I went to that day and I looked on the internet and put up John Brown and I don't know how many there was. It was like 16 billion people in the world by the name of John Brown. I want to tell you I don't want to have none of that stuff going on in my life. I got to keep my own heart. Someone say amen. So he said he that keeps his li- his mouth keeps his life. I want you to just look at your neighbor here tonight and read love. Look at him and say shut up. Sometimes we just need to shut up. He said, when you blab your mouth too much, what happens to you? He said, you're going to have destruction. How many of you want to have destruction in your life? Well, if you want to have your life in the right standing with the Lord, then you need to learn how to talk again. Amen. How many of you remember when you were teaching your child how to talk and he would babble a little bit he'd try to say mama and they'd say mama, 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 mama and you sit there and you laugh at him. Sometimes in our life we think it's funny but I want to tell you right now it's not funny because when you release it it comes out of your left mind and when you release it it's the power of the Lord. The Logos is the fault of the Word of God but when you release it it becomes a rama Word of God and when it becomes a rama Word of God the angels of God are commanded to go and grab a hold of them words and to bring them back to you. So if you're talking too much you're bringing all those things in your life. If you're walking around saying well I ain't going to make it today. You know what's going to happen? You probably ain't going to make it today smile somebody say I am blessed we started out tonight singing I am blessed through the sunshine and the rain even sorrow and pain I got my shoes on my feet I got brothers and sisters and I got a home up in the sky I'm blessed every time that I wake up I'm blessed when I go to sleep I'm blessed when I don't feel good I'm blessed when I'm mad I'm blessed when I'm upset I'm blessed when I'm stressed out I'm blessed everybody look at somebody say I'm blessed in this house tonight amen now go with me to Psalm 141 I've helped some people already tonight. Amen. Psalm 141, verse 3. He said, Set a watch, O Lord, before my mouth and keep the door of my lips. Now, God knows and the psalmist knows that you ain't got enough of power in you and your own strength to shut your mouth. Some people don't know how to shut up. You couldn't get them to shut up if you told them to and trained them to. God is the only one that can shut up your mouth. Amen. So turn to that one you spoke to just a while ago in love when you told him to shut up and say, God's going to shut your mouth. (laughs) Because God said, I'm going to set that watch on your mouth and I'm going to keep the door of your lips. God's going to slap you in the mouth and say, shut up. Now, don't you say that. Don't you speak that. You better hush because you're supposed to be keeping it in your life. In other words, you need to look up to the Lord and say, Lord, take control of what I say. Lord, don't let me say anything that I shouldn't say. Lord, let me be able to only speak what is edifying unto the body of Christ because I'm part of the body of Christ. Don't let me talk about anything that's bad. I'm here to tell you, if you want a woman to treat you like a king, start talking to the queen that's in her. And if you want a man to start treating you like a queen, start talking to the king that's in him because there's a fool in each one of you. And the more you talk to that fool, the more that fool is going to come out. Amen. So everybody said, Lord, take control of my mouth. He said, I'm going to keep the doors. I'm going to set a watch on your lips. I'm going to put angels just in charge of shutting your mouth. Your mouth is so powerful that God has got to put angels up there and keep a watch on your mouth. And every time, darling, is about to blab something, that the angel of the Lord has got to reach there with a the spiritual padlock and shut that mouth up. We don't realize how powerful our words are. And it's got everything to do with wearing the breastplate of Christ. He said, keep your heart because you have the issues of life. The course of your life depends on how you talk. If you keep on saying, I ain't going to be able to pay my bills, what's going to happen? Pay your but if you keep saying I'm going to get me a nice job and I'm going to start making $18 an hour I'm going to drive me a BMW and I'm going to go to church and I'm going to have everything I got I'm going to wear some nice clothes not because you want to have them and not because you've got to have them to be able to survive you want to be able to be a testimony for Jesus Christ and the more you seek out with that there in your faith God said the angels grab a hold of that thing and brings it back to you and he said when my word is released it will not return void and I want you to know tonight you are a brand new Christian with almighty God you have been a brand new creation and now when you speak your words has got power even if you don't even mean to say what you just said you better believe that it's time for us to start renouncing some of the stuff we've been talking about amen, amen. smile at somebody and say God said he's going to shut your mouth up you know sometimes sometimes we get upset in the church when people gossip all the time don't we amen and I used to get upset with the people but I learned it through the years. I can't get upset with the people because that's just human nature for people to tell everything they know. But I can sure send the Lord right to their mouth. Lord, I can fall on my knees say, okay, Betty's over there. I'm the gossiping. I'm just picking on her now. Betty's over there constantly. And Lord, I'm sending angels right now. Set a watch on her lips. Keep the doors of her lips. Shut her up. Shut her up. Shut her up. Shut her call. I can't take that mess till she comes and sits out on me. <laughs> <laughs> Look at somebody say, God's going to shut your mouth up. Amen. And tonight, as you have lifted up your hands and you have said, take control of what I say, Lord. I want you to picture in your mind that God has put angels in, in your life right beside of you. And now you got an angel there at your mouth. And every time you're about to open up the door of your lips, he's going to shut that thing up with a padlock. Oh, that means we're going to have some people talking a lot more positive than they've been talking in the church right lately. Amen. That means we're going to have people a whole lot more blessed than they've ever been before in the house of God. Amen. That means we're going to watch what we say. We ain't going to look at our husband and our wife and say that they're this and they're that. We're going to look at them and we're going to let them know how good they are. And even if they ain't good at that moment, we're going to preach goodness into them so that they'll have to be good because we're going to release that in their life. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Matthew 12 and 34 says, Out of the abundance of your heart, the mouth speaks. Out of the bun. What you feel in your heart, what you've been thinking in your heart, is going to come out of your mouth. I was down, and I, I've used this instance before. I was down at Edna many years ago, and I pulled up, and I was filling up my car in gas. And a boy walked up, and he began to fill up his car with gas. And all of a sudden, he just said, well, I'll be damned. And when he said it, it just shook through me. And I looked over at him, and I said, what did you say? And he said, I said, man, why do you want to be damned? I don't want to be damned. I said, Well, why'd you say it? <laughs> well, everybody says that. I said, Well, everybody's damned then. I said, you don't need to be damning yourself. There's enough of people out there damning you. You need to be able to speak some life inside of you. You need to be able to, I thank God that God didn't damn me. I thank God took and rolled all the condemnation off of me. And God don't want you using that there language about yourself. You don't need to be sitting out looking in the mirror and boo-hooing and say, I won't ever amount to anything. God said that you are more than a conqueror. And he said, I'm going to make sure that you're blessed going in, coming out, and everything you put your hands to is going to be blessed. And we need to start living like that. Can the church please say, Amen tonight. Hmm. So out of the abundance of your mouth or the heart, the mouth speaks. And Paul teaches here in Ephesians that the only thing that can protect the spiritual life, pump an organ that we call the Christian heart, is righteousness. The only thing that can protect your heart from skipping a beat is righteousness. The only thing that can cause you to be able to wrestle against uh, flesh, uh, against the things that are not flesh and blood, against principalities, powers, rulers of darkness, and spirit of wickedness is, is be able to stand in that ire and fight against Him is righteousness. Now righteousness comes to us in Greek and it means a lot of things. One thing that it means is you're in right standing with God. When you're in right standing with the Lord, that means you can stand longer than other people that's not in good standing with the Lord. Amen. But the word righteousness means all along you are being dealt with fairly and equitably. And you are acting in integrity. You are acting in virtue. You are acting in generosity. And you are acting in justice. We got movements all in the world today where the transgenders want to have their equity, and the black people want to have their equity, African Americans want to have their equity, Latinos want to have their equity, and now it's even got to the point of we've heard that out there so that even white people now are saying we need to be treated equitably too. But God's already treated you equitably. He has treated you exactly like he's treated everybody else, amen. And God said righteousness is when everything is fair and equitable in your dealing. Thank God that God treats me fairly and equitably. He don't treat me no different than he does John. He don't treat me no different than he does darling. He don't treat me no different than anybody else. He treats me fairly all the time. Amen. Now the good news of the gospel is the righteousness of God. You can write that down. It's very important you understand that. The good news of the gospel is the righteousness of God. Now, one meaning for the word righteousness is the word justice. Justice means that the law has been personified. The law came into play and the law was upheld. And what the law dictated was performed. And the word justice means the law was personified. It means that the law was fulfilled to the every dotting of every eye and the crossing of every T. It also means that you have the approval of God. I want you to look at your neighbor right beside me and say, Whether you know it or not, I have the approval of God. And I would love to have your approval, but I've got to have your approval. I've got God's approval. Amen. And it also means that you have the acceptance of God. And you are acceptable unto God. So if God has accepted me, then you got to accept me. Amen. Amen. It also means that you are have a correctness in the way you think. Now, I want you to look at your neighbor right beside him and say, I can think correctly. Oh, find another one. You need to say that. Some of y'all need to announce that forever. And keep right on look at him and say, I can think correctly. A lot of us don't think we can think correctly. But that word means that you can think correctly. And also, not only can you think correctly, you can feel correctly. How many of you know there are people that do not feel correctly? There are people right now that think you hate their guts and you don't hate their guts. They don't feel correctly. But God said that righteousness causes you to think and feel correctly. I want you to look at your neighbor right beside us and say, I can feel correctly. Boy, I'm tell you, if y'all got a hold of this. And the other thing that it means is you are always acting correctly. I want you to look at your neighbor and say, whether I show it or not, I can act correctly. The Bible says that sometimes we act like children tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. Sometimes we act like babies. Sometimes we act like we've been defeated. Sometimes we act like we're broke down and busted and disgusted. But you know what? If we are in the righteousness of Almighty God, we should always be acting the right way. We should be acting that we are on the top and we're not on the bottom. We ought to always be up that We are above and we're not beneath, that we're blessed wherever we go. We ought to always be acting that way. I want you to look at your neighbor and say, I can act correctly is to wear justice. In Ezekiel chapter 28, verse 15, it tells us that the breastplate that the high priest wore was called the breastplate of judgment. But there's a difference between the Old Testament setting of the high priest wearing that breastplate and the New Testament and the Christian wearing that breastplate. In the Old Testament, man, when they went to church, when they went to the temple, they stood before God condemned in the center of the temple and there was a uh, they were held captive in chains they were there held captive and they had a sentence of death on them and the breastplate of the high priest was the breastplate of judgment that took the judgment of God and the high priest came and offered blood sacrifices so that we didn't have to go through and receive the sentence of death on our life. But in the New Testament, before the, 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 we, we get to that point, the high priest bore that judgment over and all of God's ability to go before God and to contact God. But in the New Testament, what God done is through Jesus Christ, He removed every bit of condemnation that there is in our life. I want you to look at that one right beside me and say, you cannot condemn me. I want you to notice this. We can talk to each other that way, but it's about time that we started telling the devil, Devil, you cannot condemn me. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. And the law of spirit of death has caused me to die, but thank God and the Jesus Christ, the law of the spirit of life in Jesus Christ has brought me back forth. There is no condemnation. I have a clean slate before the Lord. We are not held in chains anymore. We're not under the sentence of death. We can walk into the house of God and we can raise our hands and we can worship Him. We can come. Come in, and we don't have to have nobody else go before us and plead anything. Jesus has already took care of it, and in doing so, he's ministered in such a way that we need to grab a hold of it. Can the church say amen? Now turn with me to Colossians chapter 2, verse number 14. When Jesus was on the cross, Colossians starts telling us what he done. And in verse number 14. It says, he blotted out the handwriting of the ordinances that was against us. Let's put it in our language. Look at your neighbor right beside him and say, Every law I broke or I ever will break was carried to the cross. And God blotted it out. That means you're not guilty of it anymore. Can the church say amen? You messed up. Yeah, you've done it. Yeah, you said it. You've done it. You've done whatever you wanted to do. But God don't even remember that anymore the bloody out of the handwriting of the law that was against us which was contrary to us he took it out of the way and he nailed it to the cross every time the devil tries to come and tell you you're living wrong, you're sinning, you're doing this you say devil I hear what you got to say that you need to go to the cross over yonder in Jerusalem and move Jesus Christ and the eye and tell him that what he did was not enough for me in my life to be able to walk through here and not have any condemnation I'm just as qualified as anybody else because I've accepted the blood and the sacrifice Of Jesus Christ, we do not have to let the devil beat us down and condemn us. We are not under judgment. We're not under the sentence of death anymore. The devil cannot condemn us. He can't even accuse us. We don't even have to go and appear in the courtroom of heaven. All we got to do is say, "Okay, Lord, you can go up there and you handle the situation," because Jesus has paid my price. Someone shout out and say, "Amen." Now you go further. Go over to Hebrews chapter number ten. I know I got you turning a little bit, and I turn quicker than most of y'all. So we're gonna read in verse nineteen through twenty. And the scripture says, "Having therefore, brethren, a boldness to enter into the holiness by the blood of Jesus Christ." Everybody, holler out and say, "It's the blood!" I love that song. I claim the blood. When you look at me and you see something that ain't right in my life, and you want to grumble about it. You're going to have to start looking at the blood. Because when Jesus God looks at me, he looks at me through the blood of Jesus Christ. He says, I've done you and allowed you to have the boldness to enter into the very holiness of holies up in heaven. You can go into the very throne room of God. You are covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. Verse 20 says, by a new and a living way which he has consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say his flesh and heaven and high priest over the house of God. God has made it through Jesus Christ the possibility for you to be able to go into the very presence of God up in heaven and have the boldness to go look at him eye to eye Face to face and let your needs be made known. God done that, and the devil can't take it away from you. You have ever right to talk to God, to visit with God, to spend time with the Lord, and the devil cannot take it away. Can the church please say amen tonight? That veil was separated and we were deemed righteous by God. I want you to look at your neighbor right outside and say, I am righteous. The Bible says in Ephesians, it says, you are the righteousness of Jesus Christ, of God in Jesus Christ. I am the righteousness of God in Jesus Christ. That means I am the judgment of God in Jesus Christ. That means I am the personified law in Jesus Christ. That means I have fulfilled every command that there is in the Bible through the blood of Jesus Christ. God, this church would be happy. I mean, we have been able to do exactly everything that the Bible says for us to do because we're not resting upon our merit and our actions. We're resting upon what Jesus done for us and we go to God, we go to God in the place of Jesus Christ under his blood and because God always hears every prayer that Jesus prays, he hears every prayer that we pray and he answers every prayer that Jesus prays, he answers every prayer that we pray and we have that right to do it and it's time for us to realize how powerful we actually truly are the devil can't hold us down anymore can the church say amen so we are no longer captives We're not held up in chains anymore. We're not criminals looking to be executed. Some of us come into church and we look like that we're serving a sentence. Looks like we've been sitting there and we're in the prison house and we can't leave and we're waiting to be executed. What we are, we are the soldiers in God's very army and we're called out to stand our ground and to possess our inheritance and enforce the victory that Jesus won at the cross of Calvary. I want everybody here tonight to say, devil, you've got to go to the cross. And look Jesus in the eye when you're gonna accuse me. Jesus will answer in that prayer that I've handled the issue. If you got a problem with Darlene, you got a problem with Jesus, devil. If you got a problem with living water, you got a problem with Jesus. You go tell Jesus that what Jesus done won't good enough and see what he's got to tell you. Let the church shout out and say amen. amen. We don't have any accusation in our life. They can't nobody accuse us. The Bible tells us that we can't be accused. There's no missile of condemnation that the devil can shoot to us. There's no assault of the enemy that can get through the heart of the Christian because we are covered by the breastplate of righteousness. Because of our heart, is protected by the blood of Jesus Christ. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse number 30. I'll teach you how to go through the Bible real quick, won't I? Amen. First Corinthians chapter number 30. The Bible says, But of him are ye in Christ Jesus. I want you to tell your neighbor, say, I am in Christ Jesus. That means I am the anointing, I am in the anointing, and the anointed one's anointing of God's salvation. I am anointed by God's salvation. I am anointed by the Messiah, Yeshua. I am anointed by salvation. I have the anointing of salvation in my life. He said, of him are you in Christ Jesus, who of God has made us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. I want you to look at your neighbor right beside him, say, of you tonight and say, I am so wise. I don't know how wise I am. I wise I am. Tell them again. Say, I am so righteous through Jesus that I don't even know how righteous I am. Then look at another and say, I'm sanctified it don't matter whether you believe it or not you don't think I'm sanctified, I'm sanctified I'm sanctified, I'm sanctified and I have been redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ and the blood of Jesus Christ has washed away all of my sins, God has separated my sin as far as the east is from the west He's cast them behind my back and He said I'll never remember them again and I want to share with you tonight He's telling you, you are in the anointing of the salvation of Almighty God and God has made you wisdom He's made you white uh, with righteousness and sanctification and redemption through Jesus Christ and he looks at you the same way he looks at Jesus. Amen. Now wasn't it that God broke the heavens open and he said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. And if he said that about Jesus, don't he say that about you? Turn to your neighbor here tonight. God, we got to get happy in here. Look at somebody and say, God's pleased with you. Oh, we want to tell everybody, you know, I'm not where I need to be. Yes, you are. You right where God wants you to be. As long as you can go to bed tonight and you and God's got everything worked out and ain't nobody having any problem with you, you right at the cross. And there at that cross, every handwriting of ordinance that you broke is canceled out and the demons have been put to an open shame in your life and every time that he tries to bring an accusation or condemnation to you, if you'll point him to the cross, you won't never walk in guilt anymore. You'll be walking in the power of Almighty God. It don't matter if people escalate you on this big high plateau and you can't get there on other people's expectations. God said what they're looking at is they're looking at you. They're not looking at the God that's in you and when they're talking about you, they're talking about my creation and let them get a revelation from the Lord and start looking at the Jesus that's inside of you. Amen. Amen. Go with me to Philippians real quick. Philippians chapter number three verse number nine. The Bible tells us there, it says, Paul says, I'm I'm found in him. I want to be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. I want to read that again. Let's step back just a minute. Let's read verse number 7. It said, but with all things were gain to me, those I counted loss for Christ. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but lost for the excellency of the knowledge of, Jesus, of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and do count them but dung that I might win Christ, and to be found in Him, not having my own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, that the righteousness which is of God by faith that I might know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death, if by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. I'm telling you, that is a powerful scripture right there. He is telling you that his desire was that he would not live in his life to where he could say, I've kept the law. God don't even care about your law right now. He's already looked at what Jesus has done for you and that law's already been fulfilled. Someone shout out and say, "Amen." You are demanded by the Lord to put on the breastplate of righteousness, to take the responsibility of being upright with the Lord. God has already made you righteous, and you've been made righteous through Jesus Christ. It's time for us to start resting in our beloved and quit trying to live the Christian life and just go ahead and accept the fact that Jesus has already lived it and he can live it through us. So tonight I want to kind of give you a few little more things. Has that been helpful to you so far? Your heart is the seat of your emotions. How many here has ever had a broken heart? Your heart can be broken. How many of you have ever experienced emotional brokenness? Your heart can be broken. There's a company out there by the name of Wembley. And they have this product that they call Quick Fix. And their slogan is... This product joins everything together but a broken heart. Thank God I know something that can join together a broken heart. Amen. Amen. Proverbs fifteen thirteen says, By sorrow of the heart, the spirit is broken. Your spirit gets broken by your heart being broken by sorrow that comes into your heart, feeling sorry for yourself. Amen. Flesh and blood will never be able to put together a broken heart. I have watched people that loved their husband, loved their wife, they passed away, and life ceased with them because they had a broken heart. Then I've had others that say, well, I need to go and move on. And they move on and they find them another person. And they think that finding that other person is going to mend that broken heart. But I want to share with you, there's no flesh and there's no blood in man that can mend the broken hearts. No man or woman will ever be able to put together your broken heart anymore. There is no material in this world. There's no material thing that can ever heal your broken hearts. Because the healing of a broken heart is spiritual. Because it is sorrow of your heart that breaks your spirits, And your heart is broken when your spirit is broken. And your spirit is broken when you don't realize how righteous you are. Amen. Just because someone don't want your love don't mean that, they, that you can't have somebody that loves you. Just because somebody don't want to love you like you think they want to love you and, and all of this, you don't have to get all broke down into depression and get in your life and become a recluse and pull away from everybody because it don't matter if you met 50 men. They're not going to put your heart back together again. Only God's going to put your heart back together again. That's why Jesus, when he began to speak in his hometown in Luke chapter 4, verse 18, he said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to preach the good news, the gospel to the poor, and he sent me to heal the broken hearted. Tell somebody, say, God came to heal my broken heart. So if God has already healed your broken heart, then why is it that we're walking around broken heart? God said that you don't have to have a broken heart. He said, I've been sent to come heal your broken heart. I want you to lift your hand up here tonight and say, God has healed my broken hearts. Oh, right there, right now. He's going back into your life. He's going all the way back. Some, some of y'all, even before you were created, and all this stuff that you went through as a child right now, he's going into right now, and he's removing all that pain, all that agony. He's strengthening, putting your spirit back together in that hour. He's rolling it out in your memory. He's causing you to forget all that stuff, and now he's going to call you to remember in your mind that Jesus paid the price for that, and he's put your heart back together again, and you can live again. You can be successful again. You can move forward again, and can fight again. It's time for the church to rise up in the power of the Lord and stand in the righteousness that Jesus has given unto us. My God, I'm preaching a whole lot better than some of y'all talking. Amen. Amen. Self-righteousness, though, keeping the law brought condemnation to man. It broke man's heart. When you get to thinking in the Scripture where it says, Thou shalt not covet, that means Thou shalt not want to. There's times Darlene gets on me and she goes talking that and crazy stuff and I want to knock her upside the head. I covet to knock her upside the head and say, will you please straighten up? It's funny to a certain point but after a while it gets on your nerves. She'll get me when I leave. But when you go to thinking about I shouldn't even wanted to say that. I shouldn't have wanted to do that. I shouldn't have wanted to call them that bad name. I shouldn't have wanted to lose my temper. I shouldn't have wanted to turn my back on them. I shouldn't have wanted to walk away and leave things like they were. I shouldn't have wanted to let the sun go down on my wrath. I shouldn't have wanted not to apologize. When we get to thinking about that, that law begins to break our spirit. And our spirit breaks our hearts. And God said in the power of the Holy Spirit that the righteousness of Jesus Christ removes all of that condemnation and it brings justification and it brings a spiritual healing into your hearts and into your soul. I want you to just look at your neighbor and say, God said He healed me he healed your soul he put your heart back together he come away and he right away oh, he rolled away and removed all of that their condemnation and every time even yourself begin to condemn yourself well I shouldn't even have wanted to hit Darlene I shouldn't have even wanted to shake Tina I shouldn't have wanted to even say anything to me when you start thinking like that there you can look up and say you know what I'm, in, I'm the righteousness of Jesus Christ in God and I ain't gonna have to worry about it thank God I'm in Christ Jesus and the righteousness of Jesus Christ is just protecting my heart and I refuse to live another day with my emotions broken, my heart broken, my soul messed up because God put it all together spiritually and He healed me and He sent Jesus 2,000 years ago to heal my broken heart and that's why I came and I got saved because I was tired of living a life with a broken spirit and a broken heart and a broken emotion. Amen. Amen. Hebrews 9 and 14 says, The blood of Jesus Christ purges your conscience from dead works so that you can serve the living God. God purges your spirit, your mind, your left mind. He purges it with the blood of Jesus Christ. Hear say it's, it's all about the blood. You don't hear that preached in church anymore, do you much? You don't hear it preached around and people are not preaching about the blood anymore. But the righteousness of Jesus Christ heals your broken heart. And the breastplate of righteousness, when you put it on, keeps your heart from being able to be broken. So everyone just state this and say, my heart heart can never be broken again. again. Say that again. It will never be broken again. It can't be broken again because you've got the breastplate of righteousness on the inside of you. Another thing you need to know about righteousness is righteousness protects your emotions. Now I needed this because I was raised up and we come from a family. If you sit around and talk to us too long we start telling you how crazy many of us was and how wild mama could be and how wild family, you'd think, my God, what type of people are we dealing with? I need the righteousness of God to protect my emotions. I need the righteousness of Jesus Christ to do that. All the accusations and all the condemnation that is coming in our life tries to tear us down. And I want to tell you something. I love Tina with all my heart. And when she points out a flaw in me, I know that she's just trying to help me. She'll tell me that all the time. But because I love her so and my emotions are involved with that, when I have an inkling that she's unhappy with me, I want to get defensive. Because she's supposed to love me Regardless. But when she starts pointing out all the problems, the first thing that hits me is, well, she don't love me when I'm like that. We had a good meeting last Friday. I'm going to pick on her a little bit. We had a good meeting last Saturday night here in the church and everything. I did not expect to preach Saturday night. I didn't expect to give any... I thought that there was someone else having the whole service. And I come in wearing my jeans with my wallet in the front of my pocket. Now, you notice while I'm preaching, I don't have no... Nothing in my pocket. Never had. Some of y'all probably didn't even notice that, did you? But Tim did. You need to take that your wallet out of your pocket. Why? It don't look good. And I finally had to look at it and say, "Well, I only not expect it to preach. When I expect to preach, I'll leave it in the car. Or I'll leave it at home." When she says little things like that, she don't mean nothing by, but because my emotions are involved with that, my emotions begin to get assaulted by what she says because of the love that I feel for her. Does that make sense? And as God begins to minister to me, it begins to if I allow it to be that accusation or that condemnation will start tearing me down. But the breastplate of Jesus Christ, the breastplate of Christ's righteousness in my life, stands in between all of those accusations, all of those condemnations. And when they are hurled, it blocks them off. It keeps them from coming into my heart. So there are times in my life that I am not wearing the breastplate of righteousness. And I told you at the start of this tonight that it's talking about wearing the breastplate of righteousness. We've got to learn how to wear it 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. And the only way we can do that is to know who we are. I want you to look at your neighbor outside right you and say, "Do you know who you are. We need to know who we are in Jesus Christ. We need to know that we have the right and to be with Him. We need to know that we are in right standing with God and that God is not against us. We need to know that God loves us, that God loves us more than anything, and the assault of the world that the enemy tries to throw against us and say coming come into us, the minute that it hits us, it falls to the ground like dry leaves out of a tree. Ain't neither one of y'all are going to get hurt when a leaf falls out of a a tree and hits you in the head. Can I say that again? There ain't no one of y'all that I'm going to have to carry to the hospital if a leaf falls out of the pecan tree and hits you on top of the head. But you let a leaf fall out of somebody's mouth, that you love with all your heart and you'll accept that thing as an accusation or a condemnation and you're going to be so hurt you ain't going to want to talk to them in about 10 years. Am I I helping anybody? Amen. The breastplate of righteousness will keep that little thing to be a little leaf that hits you. It's been sent out by the devil but when it hits you it'll be just like a little leaf that comes down. I'm preaching pretty good. I hope everybody's getting this. Because God's gracious love and the righteousness of Jesus Christ protects my hearts. So if you're filled with guilt tonight, if you're listening to me online, you're filled with guilt about your past. You're hopeless about your future. If you have fallen for the words of the enemy, if you have sat there and and in your circumstances, even if your circumstances seem to sustain the word of hell in your life, even if it looks like your circumstances are falling all apart, if it seems like that you're all alone and you're unloved and somebody has forsaken you, I want to ask you a few questions before I close right? Does the Father up in heaven look at you like that? Does the Father in heaven always remember your past? Does the Father in heaven remember what just happened to you two minutes ago? Paul said the one thing that I've learned in my life to do and to apprehend it in the master was I forgot things that were behind me. Does God treat you like a criminal? Does God want you to treat yourself that way? Then why are we doing that? He loves you. He's blotted out all the sins away from you. He has left you no reason to live under that shadow of guilt that you are living up under. He wants you to walk out of the shadows of your life and to walk into the glorious light of the Lord and to plunge yourself totally into the armor of God and walk in the light of Jesus Christ and stand your ground. He wants you to live like that. Why? Because He don't even see your failures. He looks at you through the blood of Jesus Christ. He sees the righteousness of Jesus Christ upon you. So I want to ask you a question. Why is it that you're trying to see what God has thrown behind his back? Why are you out there trying to find something that God threw away? And let me tell you, I might would throw something away in your life and it might make it out there to the end of this yard. But when God throws it behind his back, it still go in. You won't never find it. Slap that beside me and say, you won't never find it. Why in the world do you want to keep playing hide and seek when God's already threw it behind his back? Why are you searching for the living among the dead? It's dead in your life. God's wiped it away. There's nothing in your past that can hold you back. There's nothing that you did do or didn't do a minute ago that can hold you back. Am I helping anybody? Amen. Amen. So why are you out there looking for something alive in the graveyard of your life? When you have a graveyard service, you put whatever's in the grave and you mourn over it and you get over it and walk away from it. And that's it. It's over with. When you live by faith. In the truth of God's Word, you have literally donned the breastplate of righteousness and you put it over your heart. And it don't matter how many devils you're going to come wrestle with. It don't matter how much hand-to-hand combat that you're going to go against. There's nothing that that devil can do that can keep you from being the righteousness of Jesus Christ, of God in Jesus Christ. Let the church say amen. One other thing about righteousness, His righteousness protects your thought life. How many of you need God to get in your thought life? Matthew chapter number 15, verse 19 says, For out of the heart proceeds evil thoughts, murders, adulterers, fornication, thefts, fault witnesses, blasphemies. These are the things that defile a man. I want you to look at someone here tonight that you really admire. Look at him. If you saw what was in their mind, you definitely wouldn't admire them. Because in their mind is evil thoughts. I'm the preacher. I'm the pastor in this church. And I get some evil thoughts every night again. I told you one about bopping Darlene on the mouth. Sometimes I want to be God to get her to hush. And I've learned to say, Lord, put them angels on that mouth and lock up them doors and them lips. Sydney used to call her while she was coming up lips. Have you ever noticed her when she talked? To me? <laughs> right down there all the time. She come in last night. I was laying down in the bed and her and Tina was up there talking. I had to turn the television up to 26 to be able to hear what was going on the TV in my bedroom and they were in there in the little kitchen in the living room. Mm. Turn with me to Matthew chapter number twelve. I'm gonna try to hurry and get y'all home tonight, Matthew Chapter. Verse 30, four through 35. I want you to do notice as well that it's Jesus is talking here. Let's read verse 33 too. He said, Either make the tree good and his fruit good or else make the tree corrupt and his fruit corrupt.
1: For the tree
0: is known by his fruit. I want you to look at your neighbor right beside of you and say, People know you By what you say. People know whether you're strong or not by what you say. People know if you are living and and putting on the armor of God and wearing the breastplate of righteousness by what you say. He said either you're going to have to make the tree a good tree or make the tree a bad tree. You can't have a good tree and a bad tree mixed up together. Verse 34 says, Old generation of vipers, How can you be an evil, speak good things? On the flip side of that there, how can you be so good and speak so many evil things? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. A good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good things. Everybody say it brings forth. That means you have a baby. That means what you speak impregnates your world. You bring forth good things if you have good treasure. Someone say amen. But an evil man, out of, his, out of the evil treasure of his heart, they bring forth evil things. So if you're going to speak evil, you're going to burst some evil stuff. Your heart is like a field. It's like a garden. And what you allow to be sown in your heart will soon come and be produced out of your hearts. Whatever you think on and dwell on, and when you start putting feeling to that thought, it's coming out your mouth. Ephesians 4.24 says this. Put on the new man. And in the new man, it has true righteousness and true holiness. So God has said, when you asked Jesus to come into your life, you put on a brand new man. And when you did, you put on a true righteousness. And you put on a true holiness. You ain't got to try to be righteous anymore. You're righteous. And you ain't got to try to be holy no more. You're holy. Oh God, I wish our church could just get that one revelation. Amen. And lastly tonight, righteousness controls your walk, controls your life. The Roman soldier's army over, armor over a period of time would get heavy. It becomes so heavy for that soldier that he couldn't carry it. But the righteousness of God strengthens you. The more that you walk into righteousness of the Lord, the more weight you are able to carry. It's just like the dew coming down from heaven every day and reviving the earth. In fact, I want to read a couple of scriptures to you and we will close tonight. Psalms 85 and 1. Some of you do not got to turn there. I just wanted to read it to you. Psalms 85 verse number 11. If I can get my Bible to slip over here real quick. It says, Truth shall spring out the earth, and righteousness shall look down from heaven. So now you're beginning to see how truth and righteousness comes together. As truth, you're unforgetting what God has done, will spring out the earth. Righteousness starts looking down from heaven. In Isaiah 61 and 11, real quick, I'll try to finish up quickly here tonight. 61. In verse number 11, the Bible tells us, listen to what he said. For as the earth brings forth her bud, and as the garden causes the things that are sown in it to spring forth, so the Lord God will cause righteousness and praise to spring forth before all the nations. God is at work busy in your life to bring forth praise and righteousness. He's working on the inside of you. And as I close tonight, the last verse I want to read to you is Galatians chapter number six, verse number nine. Paul writes this. He says, "Let us not be weary in well doing, for in due season you're going to faint. Or you're going to reap." It is the righteousness of Jesus Christ. The righteousness of God in Jesus Christ. Placed on us, protecting our heart. That will cause what seeds we sow in our garden to come and produce. And as we're working, going out and fighting the battle, we won't get weary. Because we know that as we are working for the Lord that we're going to reap. We're going to reap what we have sown if you don't faint. If you don't let that armor get heavy on you. If you don't let the Word of God get heavy on you. If you don't let the devil come in your life and accuse you. If you keep accusing yourself and condemning yourself It won't very long ago, I ain't going to call who it is, but very long ago, I heard someone in our church say, I just can't do nothing right. Think about what you just said. I just can't do nothing right. Everything I touch just goes to hell in a handbag. I heard that. Think about that. How many of you have been guilty of saying stuff like that? Out of the abundance of your heart, your mouth will speak. And when you speak it, it's going to come back in your life. But thank be to God that Jesus has given us the breastplate of righteousness to protect our vital organs. And because he knows that Janice can't control her mouth. That Kemp can't control her his mouth. He has set a watch on my mouth. And every time I'm about to tell Tina off, he was shutting my mouth. One of the things about me in my life is when I, I had a temper years ago. And I went to the Lord and I asked the Lord to live me of that. And it used to be, Betty, when me and you were arguing, me and you might wind up in fight. I mean, I'd just lay hands on you, and I'd lay hands on you. It will not no holy hands either. I'd lay hands on you quickly. And the way I trained myself not to get to that point is when I felt that thing trying to come up in me, I would leave. I'd walk out and I'd go get in my car by myself and I'd drive. And I had somebody tell me, well, that's acting like a baby. No, that's being a man. A baby would allow that to keep right on going until you wind up hurting somebody. And I want to share with you if Kip comes up out the grave, you ain't going to like Kip too good because some of you don't even like Kip that's out of the grave already. But thank God that he has given me the loin bill of truth and the breastplate of righteousness. There are angels watching my mouth and thank God he's padlocked my lips on some stuff. But there's something that don't need to be said do it. How many glad you came church now? Amen. Look at your neighbor and say, having put on... The breastplate of righteousness. So we've put on the breastplate of righteousness. We've been at warfare. God is doing something in this church. I want to tell you, how many just feel better than what you did when you first walked in? Amen. Stand with me two feet. Father, in the name of Jesus, those that give in the offering tonight, Lord God, I pray that you'll return it to them 100 fold. Father, I pray that you'll give us a move. Uh, about home to where we're safe. God, that we'll be able to come back together here on Sunday morning and we're able to worship you with our, our vessels lifted up under the power of God, walking in the power of this word tonight. Bind this word upon our finger, uh, put it around our neck, put it on our forehead, and write it upon the tablets of our heart. Constantly remind us, Lord God, that you have already took care of all condemnation. You've done an open show of every accusation and every law that I broke. You've nailed it to the cross and you have delivered me. And I give you the praise for it all. And let each person under the sound of my voice hear this. And know, Lord God, that they can walk in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And be acceptable unto the Lord and be his beloved. Thank you, Lord, for what you've done to us at the cross of Calvary. Thank you, Lord, for what you've done for us in the past. And, Father, help us to step into that situation and walk in it in full power. And I'll give you the glory and the praise for it all. In Jesus' name, let our church say amen.